Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Good morning, church. This morning is my privilege to be sharing on part four of our Joshua series, New Ground. And today my sermon is called, When Division Doesn't Cause Division. So let's get right into the word from Joshua 13. When Joshua had reached a venerable age, God said to him, You've had a good long life, but there's a lot of land still to be taken. I myself will drive them out before the people of Israel, and all you have to do is allot this land to Israel as an inheritance, as I have instructed to you. Do it now. Allot this land as an inheritance to the tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The other tribe of Manasseh, with the Reubenites and Gadites, had been given their inheritance by Moses on the other side of the Jordan, eastwards. Moses, the servant of God, gave it to them. This is the inheritance that Moses gave out when he was on the plains of Moab across the Jordan east of Jericho. But Moses gave no inheritance to the tribe of Levi. God, the God of Israel, is their inheritance, just as he told them. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed that dividing things up can be tricky. I guess I'm talking about sharing. Sharing can be tricky. Maybe it's pizza or uh, a piece of cake that was left in the fridge, trying to divide up the leftovers. Maybe it's a bottle of Coke, or maybe it's ice cream. Mmm, I love ice cream. Hey Mark, feel like some ice cream? Yeah, it'd be great. Thanks. So who out there is good at sharing? Who finds it easy? Who finds it easy to share as long as you get the most? Who knows someone who's not very good at sharing? I think most of us have a bit of a justice streak in us that we can get a little upset when things aren't really fair. My family history is a bit of an example of this. I remember when my great-grandma died. And previous to that, the Betcher family were very, very close. 
they were uh, all brothers and their wives and they, they lived together in a big house. They shared everything. They worked together. They spent weekends together. They played tennis together. And my grandpa used to have a saying that said, blood is thicker than water. He used to always tell me to put family first. But when my great-grandma died and things started to be divided up, the things that they'd worked so hard together, the things that they'd kind of put together, when they got divided up between the brothers, it started to get bitter. There was infighting. There was hatred. Things were said. And the family has gone different ways. I don't know my great uncles. I don't know their families. I've never had an opportunity to meet them because our family is fractured. And that's quite often what happens when things are divided up, whether it be ice cream or whether it be land or whether it be inheritance. The thing about division is it often causes division. Division often causes division. And so God asked Joshua to divide the land. I just want to give you a quick history lesson. So basically there was this guy called Jacob and he had 12 sons. Some of you might know the story of, of Jacob and his sons and, and a young man called Joshua, uh, a young man called Joseph with his brightly coloured uh, coat, the, the one that had the dreams. Anyway, he, uh, he got sold into slavery. He went into Egypt and ended up rescuing his whole family. Eventually, they were reunited and Joseph saved his uh, brothers, the 12 of them, and his father all came to Egypt. They came to Egypt with not much, but they ended up growing from 12 sons into 12 tribes. They then became enslaved by Egypt, but then a man called Moses came along and set them free. God used him to release them from slavery and head them out through the wilderness to the promised land. And by this time, these 12 brothers had turned into a mighty nation. You might have seen that movie uh, from the Ten Commandments where Moses stood before Pharaoh with his big staff looking a bit like Gandalf the Grey from, from Lord of the Rings going, let my people go. And so this is the scene that we find ourselves in. They're out of Egypt. They're at the promised land. And then God says, I want you to divide up the land. They'd gone in there, they'd had their victories, and now they needed to move in. So as I go through my points, I want you to keep three things in mind. These three things are this. Some of these people were called to receive their inheritance. Some were called to fight for someone else's inheritance and some were called to give their inheritance away. So some were called to receive an inheritance, some were called to fight 
for someone else's inheritance, and some were called to give their inheritance away. So let's get going. My first point is this. There's peace in provision. There's peace in provision. If you're writing notes, write this. There's peace in provision. So the first thing I want to talk about is this, that God, he made it very clear. We, we heard this a bit uh, last week in Mitchell's message. God made it really clear as people were crossing the Jordan that this land was miraculous provision. It was his doing. It was his promise. He gave it to them. He caused them to win the battles and he gave this land to them. It was a promise. Why? Why did God make such a big deal about this? Well, I think one of the reasons is because when you receive something you know you don't deserve, you're always thankful. When you receive something you know you don't deserve, you're thankful. And thankful people don't fight each other. It's good for us. Being thankful is good for us. It's really good for us. Division often causes division. But provision provides peace. Division often causes division. But provision, when we recognize that we've been given something that we don't deserve, it gives us peace. Are you looking at the things you have through the lens of division? Something kind of that belongs to everyone and it's been divided up and you have a part of it? Or do you look at the things that you have through the lens that it belongs to God and he's provided it for you? There's a big difference in whether you have peace or not. Remember Walter's message last week, uh, the week before, where uh, he talked about the memory stones. God asked Joshua to make a monument that would last and he wanted them to remember. And he wants us to remember what he's done for us. I just want to encourage you to make it a daily habit not to remember all the things you've got to do or all the things that are an issue in your life and all the things that aren't quite right, but to make it a daily habit to remember what God has done, what he's provided. Set up memory stones in your life. Place things around your house that causes you to remember what he has provided because when we reflect on provision, it gives us peace. There's peace in recognizing provision. God insisted that he gave them the land because if they'd fought for it, earned it, felt like they deserved it, they would not have been happy no matter how it was divided. They would have all fought and ended up destroying each other. But being thankful is really good for us. And it's good for everyone around us. So let God bless you. Let go of your desire to 
win all the time, to earn everything. Let go of your desire to be right all the time. Let God be your God and be thankful because there's actually so much to be thankful for what God has blessed you with. So they were called, they were called to receive their inheritance, not earn. They were called to receive it, not earn it. So have you received your inheritance through Christ? Have you let him give you salvation? Or are you trying to kind of earn it? If peace eludes you, it may be because you're trying to earn your inheritance and forgetting to let him provide. So there's peace in provision. You are called to receive your inheritance, not earn it. Point two. There's power in possessing your promise. There's power in possessing your promise. Joshua 21 verses 1 to 5 says this, Then Joshua called together the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. He said, You have carried out everything Moses, the servant of God, commanded you. And you have obediently done everything I have commanded you. All this time, right down to this very day, you've not abandoned your brothers. You've shouldered the task laid on you by God, your God. And now God, your God, has given rest to your brothers just as he promised them. You are now free to go back to your homes, the country of your inheritance that Moses, the servant of God, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. I don't know if you really are getting this, but, but what this verse is saying is it's saying that these three tribes, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they already had their inheritance. They'd actually been given it by Moses years before. God had already provided it for them. But they crossed the Jordan with their brothers and fought for their futures. When I was 38, I went and uh, saw an, an anxiety expert. Uh, I was really struggling with my fight with anxiety. And, and as I walked in his office, I'll never forget the first thing he said to me. He said, Mark, he said, I love working with people with anxiety because they recover. And I remember at the time it was such huge encouragement to me because I felt like I was really stuck in a tunnel that I didn't know if I'd get through. And it gave me a breath of hope. It gave me 
hope that maybe I'd see the other side of this storm and, and maybe everything was going to be okay. And can you imagine the Israelites? I don't know if you can imagine them standing at the entrance to this promised land. How terrifying it would be marching into battle, knowing you were vastly outnumbered and knowing that each one of these soldiers wanted to see you dead, lying in a pool of blood. But having your brothers, the ones that had already seen their victory, their provision, that God had been faithful to them, seeing them by your side, shoulder to shoulder, with you as you fight your fight. I mean, what a constant reminder that would have been that, that God was a good God, that he said what he, what he promised he said and he did. And what a powerful witness it would be to God's grace and his power of provision. So there's power in possessing your promise so that you can help others receive what God has promised them. Many of you have been blessed to be a blessing. That you're on the other side of your storm, the storm that many people are still going through. So, like I said before, you are called to receive your inheritance, to receive what God has for you. God has an inheritance for each person. He wants us to receive it. But you're also called to fight for someone else's inheritance, to get along someone who's fighting for something that you've already got through, to cheer them on and pray for them and believe in them. And my final point is uh, this. There's privilege in priesthood. There's privilege in priesthood. Joshua 13.32 says this. This is the inheritance that Moses gave out when he was on the plains of Moab, across the Jordan, east of Jericho. But Moses gave no inheritance to the tribe of Levi. God, the God of Israel, is their inheritance just as he told them. So every tribe got a piece of land, except the tribe of Levi. Levi had to give their inheritance away to the other half-tribe of Manasseh that was on the west side of the Jordan. And they were told that God himself was to be their inheritance. When they heard this, they rioted in the streets. A whole tribe of of Levi were furious. They burned chariots. They looted grain stores. They tipped over all the fish tables at the fish market and they they graffitied using clay graffiti all over the buildings and government offices because our how unfair their deal was. They were angry. No, they didn't do that. 
they weren't angry. They weren't angry at all because they knew how privileged they were. They had nothing but God. But they didn't get a bad deal. They got the good deal. They got to give their earthly inheritance away and get an eternal one. When I was in my 20s, um, I used to love uh, bodyboarding and surfing uh, down in Victor Harbour. I'd go pretty much every week. And, and, and one, one day I was down at Boomer's Beach and it just happened to be one of the biggest surf days for the whole year. The surf was huge. And we were out in this surf and as I, I looked towards the horizon, I saw what looked like two-storey buildings coming up out of the ocean and, and coming towards us. We were terrified and, and we threw our boards and tried to kind of swim under these waves but they picked us all up like rag dolls and around and around we went and I really thought that maybe that was the day I was going to die. As I started to run out of breath my eyes started to go dull because I hadn't breathed enough before I went down under the wave and I couldn't catch my breath and and I thought it was all over when all of a sudden I felt the ocean floor beneath my feet and I pushed off the ocean floor just enough to get to the surface and, and take a breath before I was around and around again like in a giant washing machine. But eventually we, we were all, all six of us that were out there were, were kind of washed up on, on the shore like a, a group of dead fish a flip-flopping and gasping for air and we survived. But that feeling of being out of breath, that feeling of thinking this was it, was really similar to how I felt years later when I was 37. It was probably my hardest year when I was 37. I guess my anxiety had reached a climax and a lot of stuff was going wrong. I couldn't really seem to get myself together. I didn't know this, but it wasn't going to be long before God was actually going to lift me out of that. But at the time, I couldn't see a future. I couldn't see a hope. I'd been trying for so long. And I was just in this dark tunnel, kind of like I was in that wave again, getting tossed around and only been able to breathe for the briefest moment. But during that time, a lot of things got stripped away. And I, and I had this experience that really all I felt like I could hold on to was God. I made a lot of mistakes. I was very angry. I was unthankful. I didn't trust people. But every time I stopped and I sat with God, I felt a little bit of peace. And it felt a bit like that ocean floor beneath my feet when I was drowning. It it gave me the strength to take another breath. 
And I learned that he is there in the storm and he does care. And I learned that having him is worth more than having anything else. At the end of the day, when all is said and done and all is stripped away, I needed him. And I believe this is a word for someone. As I was preparing this message, I felt I felt the power of the Holy Spirit as I was kind of thinking through these. And I, I think this is for someone out there. I believe that, that God wants you to know, you out there that feels like everything has been stripped away, that you've lost everything, that you're struggling for breath, I feel that God wants you to know, like the Levi's, I am your inheritance. God wants to be your inheritance. That if you have God, you have everything you need. In fact, he's more than everything else combined. And maybe you feel like everyone else is being blessed, that God has made promises that haven't come true or that they've been snatched away. But God wants you to know that with me, you don't lose. You never lose. And hold on to me because I'm holding on to you. So you're called to receive an inheritance, not earn it. You're called to fight for someone else's inheritance, to stand shoulder to shoulder and battle people that are in the storm that you're on the other side of. And you're called to give your inheritance today, to be a priest, to be a priest. There's a privilege in being a priest to get to give away our earthly inheritance for a spiritual one, to cleave to God. You're not of this world. We belong to God. If we're in Christ, we belong to Him. So let's, as Christians, not get distracted with earthly stuff. Let's not build up riches here, but spiritual riches in heaven. Let's work on things that are eternal. Yes, we need to be responsible for what God has blessed us with, but let's not get distracted by it. Let's focus on what we're meant to focus on. Our inheritance was never meant to be here. And if you have God and nothing else, you win. I'd like to close in prayer. Father, I just want to pray for three people. Those that feel like they're stuck. They don't have peace. And they're in the trap of trying to earn their salvation. God, we thank you that salvation, our spiritual inheritance is a gift you want to give us. God, help us to cast away our desire to win, our desire to earn, our desire to to be good, but instead receive the grace and the forgiveness through Jesus Christ on the cross. That he lived the perfect life and places it on us if we will dare to receive it. Thank you, God. I pray for those 
on the other side of their storm, that they would have courage, God, to stand shoulder to shoulder like that half-tribe of Manasseh. They already had their inheritance. They were going good, but they cast that aside and they said, we're going to fight for our brothers. God, give us as Christians the ability to fight for each other, to stand shoulder to shoulder with those that are going through their storm and cheer them on, God. And Father, I pray for those who are going through a feeling of everything being stripped away. God, we don't want to look at our earthly inheritance, God. Give us the courage to be like a priest, to see it a privilege to have nothing but you and to give our earthly inheritance in a sense away to choose the higher good, which is putting you first. God, give us grace to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.